Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Final hour is here, Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Chad Withrows to my left, Paul Karski on my right. You're joining us across the Outkick network. If you're in Florence, Knoxville, we say hello to you as we talk Tennessee Vols and Tennessee Titans football this hour. You can join the conversation at Outkick 360. Paul, Bud Dupree atop the Titans injury report. Did not practice today. Listed with a knee injury. Is this maintenance or is this an issue? Uh, I mean, we don't know. I would think it's, uh, I, I'm guessing, you know, after, after he puts all that wear and tear on it, the first big outing, we played, what, 70% of the snaps. Um, you and know, that, that, that it, it And he's coming off the ACL. Some, yeah, it suffers some, some uh, impact and needs some rest a- after that. Now, tomorrow will be telling. You know, can he, does he recover and practice tomorrow, or does he need more? If he needs more, then, then you're questioning what his output on, on Sunday can be. The Titans placed uh, Hooker on injured reserve, Amani Hooker. Um, that leaves them depleted in the secondary at safety. Bradley McDougald is, is going to be the guy. He was one of the eight, I think, guys that, that talked today. A nice, a nice list for them to be able to put forward in these COVID-restricted times still. Uh, he has played for Seattle, has familiarity with, with what they do and how they operate. He was um, a part of the trade that sent Jamal Adams to Seattle. Yeah. And, you know, he's, I, I said, you know, you were on the street a couple of weeks ago, and you're a starter in week two. And he said, "That's the league, man. That, that's that's how." Well, it that's goes. Kenny Vaccaro. That's exactly how Kenny Vaccaro came to the Titans. Yeah, but Kenny Vaccaro at least was still at the beginning of the season. You know, Cyprian got hurt during camp, if I'm not if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, with like and they two needed, weeks to go, needed a, a, a fill in. Uh, yeah, McDo- yeah, McDougal's, no, you're right. It, McDougal's yeah, first right. practice was the Nissan Stadium practice. Yeah, you're right. It, it is the same course of action, though. Kenny Vaccaro was a, a star. Uh, you know, uh, was a big name player in the league. McDougald, uh, less stature. Now, here's the thing about an injury like Hooker's, right? It could be a two-week thing that they decide to put him on three-week IR for because, you know, they don't want to sacrifice the spot for a, a third week. Or it could be a 14-week thing. And so the one thing that this list does, and it's a great list because you can call the guys back off the list. But the same way that we don't know about Sam Ficken, you start by saying he's out at least three weeks, and so everybody presumes, oh, we'll see him in four weeks. But we have no idea if we'll see him in four weeks, if we'll see him in five weeks, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, count it all the way out to 16 or 17. Now, now if it's a longer-term thing and they become in need of the roster spot or if he's not re- responding the way that you want him to respond, he could disappear. Uh, or, or no, they would just leave him there. So this hangs over you the whole course of the season. But they're never going to give us a hint on the timetable, right? Just one day they're going to announce he's back. Or they're going to continually not announce he's back, and we're going to see McDougald 
or we're going to see Bullock or Bullock's replacement and his replacement and his replacement um, as the season goes on. So, so the list is a good thing in that you can recall guys, but it's a bad thing in terms of fans having any clue as to when a guy is going to be healthy and what his timetable is. How do the Titans plan on covering Lockett and DK Metcalf? This could get ugly Sunday. Well, uh, I they mean, have a rookie who they don't want to play, and it's not because he's injured. Well, it, it could be now. And he's on the injury report. He's with a shot. Yeah, so uh, Caleb Farley has a, a shoulder injury, although he practiced today. He's a full participant yeah. in practice. Uh, but, I mean, if, if there were any concerns about his health and his back, he wouldn't have played at all last week. No, I and think you did. start, you start, I mean, it sounds cliche, you start covering Lockett Metcalf by stopping Carson. Um, and, and, and the run game to make them one-dimensional so then you can uh, – and doing it with seven defenders, right, so that you can keep people in coverage, bracket the guys that you want to bracket in the given things, uh, put hopefully Fulton, who picks up where he left off last week, in a better situation where you could help Jenkins with safeties and, and change things up in a way that you're not predictable or, or conventional. Lock it – had a hell of a start last week with some ridiculous catches. We know what Metcalf's uh, capable of. It's funny. A.J. Brown was very awkward today talking to the media, and the questions about Metcalf, he said he hadn't talked to Metcalf in a while. Metcalf said the same today. He won't talk about Metcalf today. So either they kind of agreed to be weird about each other or they're not as close as they used to be. And, And A.J.'s pretty usually candid and honest. So I came away with it having a sense that they're not as close as they used to be, which is fine. I mean, it's just a little bit interesting. AJ was very weird today, and, and it was a, a railing conversation. He's usually pretty comfortable at his locker. Did he you was, post anything about Josh Reynolds' explosiveness? He was, no, he was put off yeah, by sure. a lot of the questions, <laughs> obviously pissed at the, at the loss. He was saying, I can't speak for any other group. There are a lot of issues. I can only speak for mine. Then he didn't really answer questions about the receiver either. There were underlying currents in what he said and what Tannehill said that I thought were clearly about the offensive line. Um, And I said a lot of guys talked today, so I'm not begrudging that no offensive linemen talked today. But while there were undercurrents about the offensive line, there was no offensive lineman to answer for the offensive line today. That'll come tomorrow. But I thought that was a little bit of what was going on. Tannehill no chance against Arizona. No, couldn't really set didn't. and look. I mean, he, he, he was. They didn't even. They didn't even have a chance to set up their play action against the Arizona Cardinals, which is where Tannehill has made his bread and butter. I mean, that that that's where they've really flourished within this offense, and and that's not what they were able to to get going at all. And I don't think it's for lack of, um, you know, having a, a new play caller. You know, not not because that uh, Downing doesn't want to feature the play action. They just couldn't. They didn't trust their tackles to block. Well, Vrabel also said, you know, play action isn't uh, – you don't call it on second and 12. Uh, you know, and they were in bad downs and distances all day. So Tannehill said today, just to throw into this, at times we didn't play to our standard, obviously, with the effort, the finish, the passion. We've got to get back to that. Tip your hat to them. At the end of the day, we have to dig back into what we believe in in the building, in this program, and come out swinging – come out fighting there was a lot of talk about that this is set up as a fight Chester Rogers was talking about a fight you either back down or you go out swinging and we're going to go out swinging but this thing is very concerning about the effort to finish the passion why is that not there week one quarter one well, it's well go- but he's right 
that's an accurate assessment. That's but, correct. So, but why is that the? But sometimes sports are that simple. You can either lay down and have another performance like that, or come out swinging. I expect the Titans to come out swinging against Seattle. But based Se- on what we've I seen expect from the Seattle to come out swinging but, also. But you're right, Paul. They're they're they are right to question their own effort on Sunday because oh, it was not there. No, it wasn't. They are going to line up and try to maul Seattle. That's the only really chance they have against this offense. I but, think Seattle's offense is going to put up points. They are going to try to control the clock. Derrick Henry needs around 30 carries in this game. But are they capable of mauling them is the question. Quesenberry, is he ca- – now this defensive front is not as good as what they just saw. But are they capable with Quesenberry and with LaJuan who's limited? LaJuan should be able to fire up the ball and block and run in the run game. Uh, th- this, this offensive line should have success in the run game. We saw it last year. In the uh, run game, you're right. It's easier in the run game because you're dictating. Henry, Henry, in the pass game, I worry. Let, let's, let's focus on Henry a bit. Henry had 10 carries for two yards or fewer on Sunday against Arizona. In week one of last year, he had 13 carries for two yards or less. Just comparing the slow starts. And we gradually saw the offensive line improve in the run game and the mentality change and flip. That needs to happen this week against Seattle. They need to control the clock. Henry needs more than 21 carries. The magic number for 22 is 22 when you look at the record because they're able to run their offense through the backfield. And I have, I have harped on this for the last three seasons. It goes through Derrick Henry. Um, he had six carries for zero or negative yards on Sunday. That is not the Titans' offense, and that is why they started so slow on first down. As simple as it might be, this is the Titans' offense bare bones. Since 2019, Henry, when he has fewer than 21 carries, they are 6-11 and 11 as, as their record. When he has 22 or more, they are 14-1. and one. That is all you need to know about this Titans team. But they're allowed to pass to set up the run a little bit. This doesn't mean predictable first and 10 carries every snap, every series. And when you start the game with the first three series with our handoffs to Derrick Henry – which the other team says, hey, they're going to hand off to Derrick Henry on first down, well, and we're ready and waiting for it. I disagree, and though. And your right tackle stinks, and your left tackle's not up for it. They have, over the last two years, Derrick Henry has led the league in rushing, and then he rushed for 2,000 yards. You line up, and you blow the, the opposing, offense, uh, opposing defense off the line of scrimmage, and you do what – everyone knows you're lining up, and you're going to hand the ball to Derrick Henry – well, you they should be able to run it. They weren't capable of it this game. That's what was so surprising is that Arizona was more physical than from the first snap they were in the backfield. And J.J. Watt did a really nice job throughout this game. We haven't talked much about him, and, and we will as they, the season progresses with him in Arizona if he stays healthy. I'm just saying if but you, you see signs of that early, then you've got to be willing to mix and create well, and, they and did not, that. not be Terry Robisky. Well, uh, not, not Terry Robisky. Be Arthur Smith. It's not about not being somebody. It's about being what got them there last year in the last two years with this offense. Arthur Smith would turn and hand it to Derrick Henry. Uh, and he would do that if they were down 14 points in the third quarter. Well, they did if that. If they were down 17 in the fourth. They had their best series with him in the second half. They're only really good series with him. But it was partly because Arizona – Already knew the game was they, over. They have to get that run game. And, 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 and no, I, I realize this is the most obvious statement. Henry has to get going. They need bulk. They need to manage the clock, and they need to keep Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, and Lockett sidelined. Otherwise, they're, they're going to need to score 38 points to win. Yeah. 
Well, and that the, the fight that we talked about, Paul, that you mentioned that some of them mentioned, that Brian Tannehill mentioned, where they're going to fight or not, that starts in the middle of that offensive line. And that starts with getting Derrick Henry going. Even if they're lining up to stop the run, you've got to get something. You've got to do a much better job than you did in game one. And that is a mentality. Um, and I'm also with you that, you know, you're going to have to mix it up if it's not working and do some different things, but it, it starts with Derrick Henry. Maybe it's more, I, I've never said this in my life, but maybe if it starts the way it started there, it's more blasting game. Maybe it's more uh, you know, heavy. I don't know, but they, they have to do something. Well, they started to, heavy in this to, game. To spark. They started heavy and it didn't, it didn't work. So they were blown up. Yeah. Um, it's a, it is you know, a Seattle's front isn't isn't star studded like this front by any means. Well, uh, Bobby Wagner is star. They have Bobby Wagner. Uh, they have Jamal Adams who's going to fill the gap. I mean, they. Yeah, they've got people coming forward, but the people at the front, like if you read across their defensive front and even their outside linebackers, they're not household names by any. Yeah, I mean they they have uh, Carlos Dunlap who they traded for last year. Um, Al Woods is there, the former Titan. How many years has he yeah, been in the league? He's been around forever. Al Woods is there. Uh, but let's go. Let's stick on the mentality aspect, Chad, of what you're getting to with this team. And Paul, what you've alluded to uh, with the sentiment from the locker room post game on Monday from Vrabel, and now speaking to a handful of players, over five, six players today, um, and, and what they're saying about the mentality of the locker room and how they need to come out and make this a street fight at the line of scrimmage. And that, that also includes the receiving core here because they need A.J. Brown and Julio Jones involved, but it starts by blocking. It start, starts by getting Henry going, which is going to open up things. Paul made a great point yesterday, or two days ago, about Tannehill, and we didn't really see the play action. I'll tell you how little we saw the play action from a team that's known for it. And what they need to do this week in the passing game in that regard. And we'll also discuss the alpha mentality, which they're trying to talk themselves into this week, it seems like. Can they bring it? And who's the one guy that must bring it as far as the leadership qualities go as for, for, for what that's concerned with right now going into week two, where this team needs a win to get back on track. That's all straight ahead on OutKick 360. That includes YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter at Outkick360 is where you can find us alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Uh, Paul, you, you had a great point about the Titans not using the play action as, as much as we've seen uh, in the last 17 to 20 games. Uh, no team threw fewer play action passes than the Tennessee Titans in week one. thought you'd never hear that ever. I mean, I think they were 5%. Was it two passes, three passes? I, I really don't understand. He was asked, Tannehill was asked today again, uh, not again, Vrabel answered this, now Tannehill answered this about the first Chandler Jones play. Like he's never been there before or something. I, I mean. What? Was he, was he invisible before the snap on this play? You know what's Did interesting? Did he creep out of nowhere? It's Did almost, he come out of the ether? It's almost the same play on the touchdown that Murray scored where he waltzed into the end zone. They loaded up and went J.J. Watt heavy on the left, and they went heavy to the left, and everyone fired off the football, and every Titan went that way, and Murray just rolls out. It was the same scenario where if Jayon Brown rushes the passer and stays with Murray, 
he doesn't score the touchdown. I, I understand all of this stuff. Like you, you set it up expecting and wanting everybody to be over there. But when a guy appears over here, doesn't that change everything? Like they made it like, well, a guy appeared over there, and so the play went to hell. Seemed like very kind of casual. This is this that casualness was, that the Titans have sometimes. Well, he appeared over there, so we were screwed. It's a, it, and there was nothing we these could games, do. These games There's no down, adjustment that can be had at that point. These games come down to really three or four plays a game. And that was one of them. That, not just one of them. That was the play. That sparked everything for that game. Because it was the momentum early. It was the second drive. So they went three and out that play and three and out uh, in the first quarter where they uh, scored more points than they gained yards, zero points to negative one yard. Uh, the only gain in that quarter was the fake punt, a six-yard pass, which was well covered. I, I just don't understand that play. And I'm not pretending to understand the intricacies, but it seems to me there's got to be a way to get out of that. I'm, I'm always hesitant to go in on all these stats because, again, it's week one and things even out over the course of a year and over the course of two weeks even in the NFL. And we'll see things even itself out a bit here in Seattle, at least we think we will. Um, but we put this in perspective because we are following this trend and, and this storyline as we go to – as we as Paul goes to Seattle and we watch this Titans team play uh, the 1-0 and Seahawks. We mentioned the first down stats earlier this week and how terrible the Titans were on first down. Russell Wilson was 6 of 6 passing on first down in Indianapolis – he was 17 of 19 on first and second down passing against the Colts. I mean, that, that is efficient, and that is moving the chains, moving the football, putting up points. Now, they didn't score a ton of points, but they had explosive plays, and it's not like they load up and go for the 50-yard bombs like you would see in Tampa Bay with Jameis Winston or you know that it, where you're really loading up and just going for the bundle. The, this was built-in layups within their offense that that Wilson is very good on the move with where they get him out and it's very tough to rush the passer. And then they load up and go up top to lock it a couple of times. And in both times, it worked. It's kind of systematic. The Titans offense has been like that. Well, I also want to say what I think is pretty obvious. That Colts defense is a lot better than the Titans defense. Well, the Colts were a top-10 defense last year. Yes, and what Seattle and Russell Wilson was able to do against the Colts defense – is a lot better than the Titans' defense. I feel confident in saying that and that it's going to be the case moving forward based on last year's performance and one game this year from the Titans. And we mentioned uh, the good news is the, the Green Bay Packers had the number one offense in the league. They scored three points against the, the, the Saints in week one. So there can still be light at the end of the tunnel for uh, this Titans team, but there is a lot to be desired, and they, they could be going into Seattle. A very tough place to play. They rarely lose in September, period, under Pete Carroll. They rarely lose at home with one of the biggest home field advantages in football. They've lost eight games. Vrabel quoted this, eight games in three years, including playoffs. Wow. Um, A a tease for someplace we'll be able to go more tomorrow. I talked to pro football doc from OutKick about Taylor Lewan and about Bud Dupree. Dupree out today. We'll know a little bit about that tomorrow. But – He's not expecting Taylor Lewan to be substantially better Sunday than he was Sunday. And he's not expecting him to be all the way better maybe until the middle of the season. So uh, I'm writing about maybe we ought to adjust our expectations. And, and you that and is I unacceptable. in particular I have, will not adjust my have expectations. Said, 
you know, plug him back <laughs> in, plug him back in and expect. But he was citing around the league. Odell Beckham's already been declared out for this week. And all the Great. ACL uh, guys around the league coming back. I'm not making an excuse I know, for him. I know. I'm saying all the ACL guys in the league coming back, none of them the are Browns, shining so But the, far. the difference is with Odell Beckham is the Browns, when Odell Beckham left the lineup, the Browns actually were more balanced offensively, and they yeah, know they, they can run their they can run their offense with or without him. The Titans had to make chicken salad out of you know what, and they made it work. And Arthur Smith was very good in that respect, but they I, last year you had Dennis Kelly who could move to the left. They have Dylan Radens who was a left tackle last year for North Dakota State, and then a bunch of guys who claim to be. The jack of all trades, but the master of none. Yeah. No, if they need a half year, potentially, before he's all the way back, they did not do enough. And the Dylan Radens pick looks even worse than it already looks. And it already looks really bad. If you had any fear about, and again, I, I, I'm not saying that they knew about this. And it, it, I'm not even saying it's, it's accurate. I don't know. But if you had any, if you reserved any worry that Lawan wasn't going to be ready. Why did you let Dennis Kelly walk and not try to keep him and restructure the deal? Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. They seem to kind of And I'm not saying Dennis Kelly's a great answer in left tackle. No, I don't have a problem. I've I'm said this before. Here, I didn't have There's a huge no problem with letting Dennis Kelly go. I have a huge problem with let us, letting Dennis Kelly go and his his replacement being Kendall Lamb who just got shredded when he stepped into the game. If you're saying, I'm letting Dennis Kelly go to go find the next Dennis Kelly, right now, and the, the next Dennis Kelly needs to be the next Dennis well, Kelly, the next not Dennis, Kendall Lamb. The next Dennis Kelly is a backup guard right now that's not even active. That's your second-round pick. Yeah, he's, he was the left tackle last year in college. Well, I'm and saying the next Dennis Sam Kelly Brilo, is a swing guy. So Sam Brilo was guy. the left tackle in the preseason. He was the – and I know Questenberry moved around some too – but the final preseason game, we saw Sam Brilo at left tackle. Yeah, he got passed with, somehow by With Questenberry at right tackle. So Sam Brilo is the guy who steps in, and I believe he did last year at some point, at right whenever Kelly had to move to left, right? Am I getting this right? Left, right, left? Well, I don't no. know. When, when, and then Sam Brilo got hurt. Yeah, but the first replacement left tackle was Sam Brilo. Kelly was playing right tackle from the beginning because of Isaiah Wilson. Oh, that's right, yeah. So that, my, my point is – it throws, the, it throws a huge wrench into the overall plan and the outlook of this offense without Lawan. Because That's right, how right off the bat, we said you don't have to help at left tackle. You help at right tackle a little bit, and you can send out your weapons. These All these dangerous weapons, you well, don't have to worry about the, over the help. I, we are no doctor here, and Pro Football Doc can clarify this more and, and will tomorrow, and we'll talk about it more extensively tomorrow. But tr over the years... In, in my recollection of this, when a guy ends up not being confident in recovering from a knee injury, what do they do? They have a, clean, they have a cleanup procedure. Also, they compensate. Well, they maybe have a problem on the other side. But they have of a body. cleanup procedure that you know goes in to reassure them that everything's okay. Well, I asked him about a cleanup procedure and the thing, and he lit me up like it was the dumbest question he ever been asked. Well, maybe, maybe he doesn't need it, and maybe everything's fine, and it's just a terrible performance. I, that was not a confident Taylor Lewan that we saw play, and we know, ex we know how much and what he's capable of. We, we've seen him play and expect him to play at a very high level. He does too. I, I'm not trying to rip the guy for one bad performance. 
that was not 77 that we saw Sunday. Buda Baker doesn't come through and blow him up like we would see Isaiah Wilson yeah, like on we an saw extra Isaiah, point. Yeah, exactly. That that was that was rough. Skates. That was rough, and that that is not at the level that you expect to be coming back after the year where he's coming back from injury. I just, just don't not. know. I don't know how anyone can be overly confident based on that performance and just how miserable it was that he is going to completely bounce back. Well, that he's going to come back and be the so old Taylor one. One week later, I think that yes. fans are thinking and they're being way too optimistic. If you think Taylor Lewan is going to magically reverse that performance and come back and look like the Taylor Lewan that became I, I feel the, the highest paid tackle in football, and I think you're going to see more of that trend, and I think Taylor Lewan will quickly check himself out of that game. If it, comes off to, if it gets off to the, the start he had against Arizona, I think you're going to see more trouble with that. And there is something – off it even if it's not completely physical and some of it is mental with him not trusting the knee something is not right and I think you're being way too overly optimistic if you think he's just going to flip the switch go out to Seattle against a good defense and look like the old Taylor Lewan. yeah I, d- I don't know about the checking himself out part that's a separate conversation but I, I'm with you Chad I think people just said okay he's back oh he had a terrible game he'll be better next week and this is a situation where he's not necessarily back, and it's not like, oh, go rehab a little bit this week and you'll be fine next week. And as Dr. Uh, Chow said when we talked to him during the offseason about this, this is not a light switch thing. This is a sunrise, slow sunrise thing. And the sun had not risen last <laughs> week, clearly, and it's not going to rise completely uh, in, in seven days. So let's just – Let's put ourselves in the, in the room right now behind the scenes. And you're Todd Downing and the offensive staff. What do you do? Because you have a left tackle who you That's don't know. That's why I asked about do you call him in and have the mental check. Well, so one thing we, I think we know, they're going heavy tight end in this game. Derrick Henry, if you, if you own him in uh, fantasy football on your team, you're, you're starting him. He's going to get 30 carries in this game. They're going to load up and run the football. I hope you're right. And – Ryan Tannehill, who had 35 pass attempts last week, needs about 25 this week because you don't trust your offensive line to protect him. That's what that's the game plan. And get some slants in you need, there. You slants need 55 to 60 plays. Over the middle 55 to, to 60 to plays, AJ. and half of them are Henry. I'm with you on that, and I want I want balls across the middle of the field to AJ Brown. Now that's then that's best case scenario. The game will dictate how aggressive they have to be. Uh, and take some shots. I'm all, you know, they did that even in a playoff game where Tannehill only threw, attempted, what, 17 passes. They won the game. They can still run their offense efficiently and it be heavy run um, and, and work in some areas of the game where you have, I know he's not available, but you have a Batson who is a wide receiver, but you work him into a glorified run, even though it's a screen, right? Something, something to get, some juice. This jet, offense jet had sweep. no juice. Yeah, jet sweep something. Uh, they didn't. They didn't have that a week ago. But well, that, to me, it's pretty obvious based on the way they they can't protect their passer right now that you have to go heavy. And for all the discussion about, well, maybe we'll see more eleven personnel. We're about to see. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're we're about to see heavy tight end in this game, and it shouldn't be Anthony Ferkser. Well, Sammy on Twitter says, I mean, what is a team supposed to do? When you have a bad right tackle, a non-100% bad Lawan on the left side, and then your tight end on the field screams exactly what you're going to do to the opponent. 
every time based on personnel and who's in the game. Well, you have to, guys. I don't know they can do, that they can do anything. You have to win a play anyway. Now you want real concern? Close, close game, probably right. If if the oh. Titans play well, <laughs> Randy Bullock is what you're putting on on the field. Randy Bullock. Um, yeah, he's not good. This this Titans, uh, you know, but the Titans are okay with their kickers not being good. They they've said that the last two years, and how they've addressed the position. The ninth kicker they will put on the field since 2019. Ninth. Some of it's injury bug. I mean, this year things were lined up for them to put a kid out there who'd had a solid camp and everything. But you know what they didn't have was a kid on the practice squad, somebody on the practice squad, even if it was Bullock, to at least uh, – or or the guy that they cut, Badgley, to work with Cox and Kern so that it wasn't, oh, my God, we got to get a kicker in here. And how many kicks could he kick on Saturday – with working with the mechanics with those two Couldn't. guys to get ready. Yeah. How many are you going to do? 15? The, the day before you're going to kick in a, in a game? So I asked Vrabel about that. You know, are you going to get one this week? He said, you know, we're always looking at that, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. They never get that right. So the Titans, I'm listening to and reading into between the lines the quotes that are coming out. You know, Vrabel, even after the game, immediately after the game, was saying – and he, I, he answered the question. I forget who asked the question. He answered the question about, is it good to have a wake-up call? And he's like, I don't know how to answer that because you don't want to, to admit that it's good to have a wake-up call because you're not expecting to lose the game and need that advantage going into week two. But the way that they have treated the loss has almost been like Chad trying the smelling salt for the first time, <laughs> right? That, 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 that butt-kicking was them trying – to smell the ammonia. How do you need a wake-up call in week one? Well, they, that's a great question, but they're, you're listening to all the quotes you know, from Jeffrey Simmons saying that you know, we're going to treat this, no one's expecting us to win, we're going to a hostile environment. It's like, is this the 2018 Titans or the 2021 Titans? I also asked him about the swagger thing. I said, you guys were big in the preseason about you know, building up this swagger and you're going right. to have the swagger and everything. Did you overdo it considering well, you hadn't den- done anything? And he said, no, we need to go in this game with more swagger, not less. Well, I, and I don't – I agree. But the, So this game to me is more about the leadership and the mentality of the locker room than it is stats and scores and – um, you know, uh, third down efficiency based on week one. I'm looking at the attitude and leadership and focus of this team. And if they snap back into it, they can go and win. But who's the real leader of the locker room? Who's the guy in the locker room that everybody's afraid of? The Tom Brady quality, where he walks into the locker room after a loss like that, and it's you just... You don't want to see him. Yeah, not only you know you want to see him. I mean, it's just you're you're scared that the guy's going to point you out and say GTFO. Like, yeah, I'm going to make I'm going to get you cut tomorrow. It's the Aaron Rodgers quality. There's no doubt who the leader of the locker room is. Who's that guy in the Titans locker room? And it room? doesn't even have to be the star generational quarterback. I mean, who's the Keith Bullock to go back in Titans history of this locker room? That's well, a I great think- player, but doesn't have to be the quarterback that's going to step up and say something. I I do think this is going to sound weird. And you guys tell me if you agree. I think that a team can like each other a little too much. And what I mean by that is, I think it feels like this team 
has almost gotten too close to the point that they're too close to the forest to see their own trees Faults. that at times are not great. And, and I'm going to use the example that we talked about this offseason. Why is A.J. Brown concerning himself with Paul Kuharski's tweet of a video about Josh Reynolds, a guy who just joined the team, that has sucked since he's been there? That, that, that is not something – if A.J. Brown should concern himself with his play as an alpha on this team, and if someone is not explosive, he should not be concerning himself with defending the person that's not explosive. Well, you need to be picking that person up and telling them to get with it and not having you know F-bomb battles <laughs> with media because they happen to point out that a guy is not explosive. And look, that's just one example, but to answer your question, Hutton – I don't know, and Paul, you're in that locker room all the time. No, Who on this roster is going to cuss someone out? It's A.J. Brown. Who on this roster? But A.J. Brown's too busy cussing Paul out. Well, he did not seem Josh like Reynolds. an alpha today while well, he swayed back and forth and gave very short answers. Now, he doesn't have to be an alpha in the presence of the media, but he was a different guy after the game and today with us than he's been generally, which – had us all raising like, our eyebrows. I like a cranky A.J. Brown. To me, that's a sign that he's he's on that path. Well, I, um, I, I get what you're saying, Derek but there's Henry, a difference between cranky and detached. I don't – after one week, it's hard to use that word, though, with him. Like it, I, He felt, in both of those circumstances, more detached than cranky. Well, there's a fine line between uh, having some guys in the team that will get after a teammate and call them out when they're not doing something and having a divided locker room. Well, not right? even after a teammate. There's not getting after guys. I'm not saying that, again, that, that, l- let me finish on that because I'm not saying they're anywhere close to a divided locker room. But I'm saying you want a little bit of that. You want guys who will bring people back in. As Hutton said, you want a Tom Brady that's going to say GTFO if you keep missing assignments. You want someone that will yell at Taylor Lewan if he's screwing up to that level, that feels confident enough doing that. Do the Titans have that? You don't want too much of it because then you do have a divided locker well, room. If you're constantly yelling at your teammate, there's too much of that. I don't see really, at least in, in one game, guys, I didn't see any of that from the Titans. I, how I would define it is, who's walking through the locker room that everyone else is afraid of? Who well, are you scared of? I, I don't know about scared, but A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry are their answers are on offense. On defense, I don't know. But you don't, you don't have to have someone on each side of the ball. It's just who's – For who's, everybody. Who's gathering everyone up Those and are the setting guys. the mentality? Those Derrick are the Henry? two guys. Derrick yeah, Henry, Derrick Henry, and AJ Brown. He's grown into that, and and he shook up the sideline during that game. Also, it didn't work, which is the disappointment. It didn't work. I would, but he's got the gravitas to do it. I would Why also, does Tannehill not have the well, gravitas? I was he say, does. I, I, I was also going to say I think he's more vocal than what we give him he credit is. for. He is. He, he does it. He's got but the that, quarterback mind. I'm setting this topic up because this this is something I'm following because if. If they come out and slap around Seattle like like their mentality, like they're trying to talk themselves into doing, right? Like they're capable of doing, it's by like the way. It's like hyping themselves up and saying, we're the underdog, screw everyone else, we're going on the road to shock everyone. It's, it's kind of the mentality that well, Arizona the brought world. to Nashville. They always have the Titans Arizona, always. The attitude Arizona brought to Nashville. Yep. It, are the Titans capable of taking that on the road to Seattle and winning what seems to be a big game from – uh, a, a mental edge standpoint because there's a lot of talk about wake-up call. And if they go and get you know, shellacked again and fly back across the country after starting 0-2 and not finding the wake-up call after 
week one of talking about it, then, then it's time to really dissect the coaching and aspects of this team that uh, we, we said should be a lot better based on the team that was going into 2021. Look, I, I think they're capable of it, but these are the questions that weave into that. Can Julio run? Can Lawan block? Can McDougal start? Can Bullock hit a kick? <laughs> Chad, as Chad liked to say, uh, he said earlier this week, I'd rather have Keith Bullock than Randy Bullock. I mean, Keith well, finally got, people Keith has got a good-looking right leg. Look, Put him out there. Finally, people can spell it with an O. still looks good. Finally, Great people can leg. spell it with an O. That's it. That's it. More of Outkick 360 straight ahead from 6th and Peabody. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.